to episode 79 of the Lion of Vienna Suite podcast. Before we do delve into Bolton Wanderers talk in this episode, um, we'd just like to say quick kind of respect from Lion of Vienna Suite to this obviously the first podcast since the tragedy in Manchester and all our love and all that comes from Lion of Vienna Suite. Every single member of this podcast and the website goes to the families of the lost and the injured, so... Yeah, respects. My name's Dan Murphy, and joining me today is Mr. Tom. Tom, we just call you Tom, don't we? I've, it's been so long, Tom, since we've done a Line of Main Street podcast. It's Hello. Kind of, I've been rusty, what can I say? How are you? Not too bad, mate. Um, half term, so mm-hmm. uh, enjoying having a life again, pretty much. What about you? Sorry, all, me, all the coursework and everything went off the last couple of weeks. So all that's done, just got to revise. Well, I've got two exams. One isn't an exam you need to revise for. It's more of a skill exam than the other one I most certainly do have to revise for. So that is, you know, that's all I'm doing at the minute because all teaching is finished. It's basically just got a, the first exam's this Friday and then the next one is the Friday afterwards and then I'm done till late September, which is pretty, is pretty good. But speaking of being <laughs> done... The football season is done now in its completion. Bolton Wanderers gained promotion to the Championship fucking ages ago now, well over a month. It's been a bit quiet. We've had little little like trinkles of news every now and then, some contract signings and whatnot. But how how are you coping with the kind of lack of football, Tom? Oh, it's rubbish. It's mm. absolutely rubbish. And some of the playoffs. Oh, um... All of them pretty much, apart from one. Yeah, it's, it's, some of the players have been dire watching. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not been brilliant. I'm hoping that the Champions League mm. is worth a watch. But then again, you know, you've got another very defensive side who are very good at what they do. And if they nullify Real Madrid, we could end up with another boring spectacle to finish the season. So well, I, like to think I, I don't think I've been entertained since the uh <laughs> since the last day. Since the Peterborough game. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably right there. I think I'd like say that Champions League finals are usually exciting. Forever cast my mind back, I can't really think of a dud. Even the nil nil well, nil nil till the extra time Chelsea and Bayern Muni one was still pretty exciting if I remember correctly. I think there's something about Champions League finals they also have an aura about them. Just a bit I don't know. Even if the match itself isn't that good, there's just a kind of a spectacle to it, which kind of elevates it above most football matches. I'd say. Yeah, you 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 pay attention regardless of who's playing in it. I think that Chelsea game was probably interesting for us because there was an English team playing in it, mm-hmm. and also you, it, it's rare that you see a team as good as Chelsea as genuine underdogs like they were there. Oh, so were they had half the squad injured or suspended. Yeah, you know, rookie manager Ryan Bertrand playing basically with two left backs, like you said, injuries and suspensions, and yeah, so that, that had its own little spice to it. This one, I think, I mean, if Madrid win, people are just going to kind of shrug the shoulders and say, yeah, fair enough, you know. And if Ronaldo does what he always does and wins big games, people are just going to shrug the shoulders and maybe not appreciate it. And then if, if Juventus do the bit and, and they're as brilliant defensively as, as as they can be, again, people just go, oh, well, you know. Oh, no, I think everyone that, that's what we expect. to win. I'd, I'd imagine so, yeah. I, think, I know I want Juventus to win. I don't want uh, Real Madrid to just, you know, get another Champions League under the belt. They can't go for as many years it was without winning one and then just win pretty much every single one there is to win. We need some spice of variety of life, don't we? Well, that's what I always expected growing up, because especially when the, um, they had the second wave of Galacticos that they were they were trying to sign, mm-hmm. we were expecting Real Madrid to dominate European football year after year, and they never really seemed to do it. They always seemed to be have, 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 um, to be brilliant and have a good team, but they, they never dominated Europe. So I don't know. I mean, whatever happens if Ronaldo, what do you think will happen? Ronaldo what do you does? think what's going to happen? Score. I, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm a bit like you in, in wanting Juve to win it, but mm-hmm. it's it's one of those games. I think a, a Juventus goal could early doors or a Juventus to score first could make for a really good final. Then, yeah, um, I'm, I'm oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go for Madrid. I think I'm going to go for a narrow Madrid win. Yeah, I think it's just going to be shit, isn't it? It's like kind of you know the 
unstoppable force meets the unmovable object and at Juventus' defence yeah. against Ronaldo and all the attacking yeah. might of Madrid. I mean, you'd like to think that Juventus' defence is just so brilliant that you'd be able to withstand it, but Ronaldo just always finds a way to score, especially in games of, like this. And I think, like I said, it's definitely Hart, Juventus, who'll be able to stick it out and Higuain against his old club. But saying that, Higuain's just a big game bottler. He always does it. And I am... My head overwhelmingly says well Madrid, but all I know is I'm betting eighty to one on Modric, Marcello, Ramos, and Chiellini all to be booked. That is that's got to happen. Ramos is a bag, so and hopefully, hopefully I'm hoping it'll be feisty enough that all the bookings happen. And what did you What there. did you say your odds were there? Eighty to one, which I think is ridiculous for them for. Eighty. Yeah. Oh my word, that's brilliant. I know. I've got it. And there's Merb's tip for you. Fucking get on that one. But, um. I don't even think we should talk about the Europa League final because it was shite. <laughs> no, and to be honest, the, the the world wasn't thinking about the football. It was just, no. um, you know, when people always go back to that Bill Shankly phrase about football being more than a matter of life and death. And then whenever things like this happen, um, it was the same with the Chaka, Chapa Coenzi um, mm-hmm. disaster as Do you well. you know they're actually top of their league for the first time in the history? I believe so. Yeah, I, um, very nice. I, I read it a couple of weeks ago. Are they still there? Still top of the chart? I only saw it. I saw it yesterday or the day before, so I'm guessing they're still up there. All right. Maybe very the good. The article was old and I just didn't see the date. But it's nice I think, regardless. I think it's, it's those... At those times, you just kind of... I mean, I just... I've really wanted United to win. Yeah, but I, I, expect, I expected them to have, to have won anyway. But it just... In terms of its importance, it just becomes... It becomes nothing, you know. The, 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 especially considering the circumstances, you know. I was watching it, and some of the the faces from the fans and the things that people were saying before the match and after the match. It just, it just, it wasn't about the football. And to be honest, even if it was the football itself, I mean, the last thing that we needed was a scrubby Paul Pogba goal in the first fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, for two reasons. One, because it killed the game off. Um, and Ajax just looked, when they went 1-0 down, as if they were a team that was 1-0 up and the way they were they were playing it from, from the back four. They had no way of changing to, to provide a bit more urgency. But the second thing is it gives people reason to suggest that Paul Pogba is, is a big game player for a deflected effort from the edge of the box to win a second-rate European trophy. Um, it wasn't a very good final, was it? No, I only watched the first half because I was watching Cortinas in Sheffield that night, uh, which was a little bit emotional as well. I've never heard a Yorkshire crowd sing Manchester so much, and I doubt I ever will again. And um, yeah, so I watched the first half, and I think Ajax, you know, everyone makes it, you know, everyone says, and rightfully so, you know, parts out how young the squad is, you know, 17 year old centre back, 21, 22 average age, but they got bullied by a far more experienced and uh, kind of smart United team. and. I think the coach's comments afterwards saying, oh, they just long-balled it as ever kind of pettiness. Like, you shouldn't, don't call them just because you lost, mate. Improve yourself and adapt and learn from it. Who did, who, um, who, who caught your eye? Um, oh, in the first half, no, no one, because United just got, United just absolutely smothered them and I only managed to watch the first, you know, say the first half it was and yeah. no, no Ajax players. And maybe ne- ne- Neres, is it? The winger? He looked alright, he was the only one who seemed yeah. to be doing anything. And I, I've always like, did Sh- um, I can't even remember really well, did Scon play? I think these midfielders are slightly older than the rest of them. He's, he's uh, a good player. Lasso Yeah, I think that's his say. I think that's how he's saying. Yeah, uh, he's the one that brings the average age up. He's, 30, he's yeah. 31. He's the one who brings the average age up to about 22 from 20. I think the next oldest player after him is Veltman at 26. Mm. Um I thought Davinson Sanchez was brilliant at centre-back. Um, there was a, a point in the second half late on where Jesse Lingard went through and he had a good yard and a half on Sanchez and, and he managed to get back and put a great tackling. Yeah. Um, I quite like the look of the keeper. Um, Traore looks a bit of a pain in the backside. I, I, I don't mm, know whether he's... Yeah, I don't know whether he's ready for the Premier League or whether he'll ever be ready for the Premier League. I'm not quite sure, but he looked like a bit of a pain. I wasn't um, I wasn't overly taken by by any of the others though, and it was a shame not to see Clive get a get a chance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Eh? I mean, 
I should hope they'll learn, all them players will learn from it and take it forward in their, no doubt, hopefully successful careers. But away yeah, from, but they've not won the league, have they? So they didn't back in the Europa again. To Feyenoard, obviously, Dirk Coates Feyenoard. Um, so are they back in the Europa League again? Well, I'm not. Sure. I think they will because I'm pretty sure Holland only gets one place, and you have to qualify for it as well. So Feyenoord, yeah. like, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah. So yeah, it's not even Champions League, but no Dutch team does anything in the Champions League anyway, so it doesn't really matter. They'd probably have better no. luck trying to get to the Europa League final again, trying to get through the Champions League that way. Yeah. But as we said earlier, the playoff finals happened. We now know the complete set of teams who will be playing in the Championship next season. Huddersfield Town went up, which I was happy about, as in because it wasn't Reading. Slightly disappointed that I've missed out on a Yorkshire away day, though. And uh, also the team coming up from League One was Millwall and not Bradford, which was commiserations to my Bradford supporting pals, but still very quite funny, Tom. Yeah, I mean, if you were to say... Can we have a, a a Bradford playoff final, please? It would be exactly how it panned out, where they pass a team to death nil nil. There was nothing more Bradford than watching watching a team have sixty sixty five percent of the ball and create one chance and a half. Um, and even then, it was a pretty good save from the one on one. But Billy Clark, I mean, oh, he needs yeah. to be putting that chance away oh, in the I first half. I think he did everything right. I think it's harsh on Billy Clark. I thought it was one of the best saves I've seen this season. He was, he did everything right. He kind of took the ball oh, away from the keeper, it's a and the keeper did excellently. So to hold his nerve and not go down too early to make the save, I thought the striker um, couldn't have done much more there. I think Hutchinson forced the issue as well because there was no way he was getting to the ball. But I think by by sliding in, I think I think he forced Clark into action. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 a very good save. To be honest, at the first sight of it, I thought he'd missed. It was only on the second yeah, uh, replay that I saw that the keeper had got a touch. Um, it was a brilliant save. But in, in the second half, I was sat watching the game and and I said to to the people I was watching the match with, "This has got a scabby Steve Morrison one nil <laughs> written all over it." Um, and that's and it was that was just after me saying he needed to sub Morrison off because he was having a bit of a stinker. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just had Morrison written all over it to win one nil. It was just one of those things that written in the Bradford pass, pass pass teams to death, but they don't score goals and they really need to think about their style of play because they can't try and play in that manner if they haven't got the goal scoring threat. Charlie White, is it Charlie White? That's right. Yes. Is that his first name? Yeah, um, I think so. I think you're right there. Um, he scored a few goals, but not enough. The other lad, um, Clark, is it? Yeah, right. Clark. I don't think he's up to very much at all as well. They, um, they've got some good players. Nat Knight, Percival's good. Vince Lott's good. Meredith was very good, but they've, they've, they've let go of him. Ooh, they've got some decent players, but they cannot play that way and they can't try and uh, pass teams to death because there's only so much possession will get you. The best teams tend to have more possession, but better teams than Bradford manage to score a couple of goals mm-hmm. along the way. And that is why... They, that, that's why they've not been promoted this season. If they had a bit more of a cutting edge, to them, it's something that Sam always goes on about, doesn't he? This, this, what's the difference between good football and winning football? And it's a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, yeah, it was it was kind of like you could see. I like Bradford were probably the better team. They just like I say, they had no chances. I thought Millwall, you know, they didn't have any either. But they had the one, and they took it when they got it, and that's what really matters. And. <laughs> Respect to the Millwall fans for somehow managed to pitch invade Wembley. Amazing scene. But this is it. They've got two good set forwards, haven't they? They've, they've just they've got two they've two strikers who set each other up, who score plenty of goals between them, who, when given a, a loose ball into the box, will put the ball in the back of the net. Bradford have to work very hard to create chances. Yeah. Millwall, all they needed was a, was a decent cross from the left wing, and there was Steve Morrison, and that was the difference, wasn't it? It was, but you know, whoever played the better football, whoever deserved it. Taking all that out of the equation, it was a dire cup final. Yeah, and speaking of dire cup finals, the championship playoff was perhaps <clears throat> the worst game I've ever laid my eyes on. Huddersfield Town got promoted, as I said earlier, through the penalty shootout, but up until then it was nil-nil completely. There was two chances which Huddersfield should have scored in the first ten minutes. Then after that, nothing of note happened in the slightest. No, nope, absolutely rubbish. But Reading haven't made themselves... Uh, many neutral fans this year in terms of the way they've played. They're not exactly renowned for the for the way they play football. Um, 
I just think they tried to stifle Huddersfield and, and failed. Yeah. Um, if any team was going to win well at any point, um, it was Huddersfield. Fulham, Reading, they controlled the game against Fulham did, really well. They did. And they just they couldn't just... do it. Well, they kind of did do it. They just didn't really take... They did it after that 10-minute mark, but didn't really... I thought Huddersfield moved the ball around quite well. And it kind of, the game plan just didn't really work and they didn't really have any chances at all. Yeah, I think Huddersfield... If anyone was going to win it, it was Huddersfield. Um Reading defensively are, are a decent outfit, but in terms of in terms of whether when it comes down to penalties, they talk about is it cruel, is it fair, and all that jazz. But to be honest, the team that deserved to be in the Premier League is. Um, it, it wasn't the final that anyone predicted, was it? Everyone was expecting Fulham to win it. Everyone's tip was Fulham, and they fell at the first hurdle. Um, I fancied Sheffield Wednesday to to beat. Um, to beat Huddersfield in the other semi, but it's just the way it's turned out. And good luck to him. I mean, as far as Premier League teams go, they're one of the smallest teams to play in the Premier League. They've been there. Have they been there before? No, no. First time um, in the first flight since the seventies, I think. Sure, they're just gonna five years of finishing fourteenth, like Watford, um, in the Premier League, when become one of those Premier League teams that don't really need to be there. Um, it's getting filled up with a with a working class, the the Premier League of these boring who beat everyone they should, lose to everyone they shouldn't, and provide no excitement whatsoever. Um, but it'll be I don't know. I suppose there's a bit of a project there with Wagner and the way he does things. And yeah, let's see how they get on. Yeah, definitely. I think it's exciting. It's always exciting when a new team comes up. It's a team that's run by a owner who cares, who invests his money, who um, charges low season ticket prices I think if you had a season ticket at Huddersfield from 2009 or earlier yeah, your season ticket this year would be £100 which is absolutely class um, and they're, they're just a good club who get a good crowd have some decent players and look like they've got a good finger on so yeah I wish the absolute best of luck to them but obviously that confirms as we said earlier the whole championship table next year um, Reading Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham will be remaining and as I said Millwall will be joining us in Sheffield United so so very northern championship next year, Tom. We've got like, like four, four or five Yorkshire teams, which is great for me. Loads of local away games. Um, only pretty much Cardiff, Norwich, and then the London clubs, or Bristol, then QPR and Brentford and Fulham, which and Reading, of course, which is kind of down south. So a very northern league, which would be quite nice next year. It looks like a good league as well. There's, there's plenty of you know t- good championship teams who've been at the top end of the championship for a while, but then you've also got your your fallen Premier League teams of yesteryear as well. Um, the only team that sticks out is is Burton as a team that I don't think we've we've, we've played before. Um, we did so play them know. in the cup, didn't we? Um, last in uh, two years ago, and they knocked us out. Did we get beat by any chance? We did, yeah. All right. Would that be the League Cup? Yes, that was that would be correct. Yeah, nobody cares about that. They've got a good record against us, Tom. What, one game, one win? That's all, that's all that matters, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. It looks like it looks like a good league and you know the teams are confirmed and there's plenty of teams that can win it. At the minute, I'm struggling to see where the three teams that are going to be worse than us are. Um, but there's a lot of... Tra- I, I, at this stage, obviously, a lot depends on the transfer window and how it goes and we'll talk about stuff soon. I'm strangely confident. I like how we've got a manager who'll get a secure defence and hopefully in- injuries and science permitting. He'll have a kind of settled line-up. And I can... I don't, I don't know. I'd something, I'd, I can see Sheffield United not adapting to the championship as well because they're trying to try and play a, a free-flowing style and that can easily just get yeah. mustered when they... You know, that can, that's a style yeah. that can easily kind of get um, stopped at a high level. Whereas our style is... You know, it's just hoofballing it pretty much, all said and done, with a couple of good crosses here and there. I think we, I think we're a lot more suited than the other two teams that have come up, and maybe I'm just being stupid and naive and biased, but I do feel like we're a lot better suited to this jump up, especially when a lot of these players have championship experience. I know they were very good at that level, but they still more than any other of these two teams do have. No, and you know, we've got. We've gone from having one of the worst defences in English football to one of the best. Mm-hmm. And I know that's relative depending on the, the division that you're in, but we've gone from being so weak and so capable of throwing away a winning position 
to quite the opposite. We're now very comfortable um, and, and, and strong when in charge, when in the lead of a game. And I tell you what, you know, it's not going to win many fans in terms of neutrals, but when you're going on your away trip to Barnsley and we get a nil-nil ball fest, it's it's not going to excite people, but it's another point towards safety. And the bottom half of the championship, right up to the edge of the playoffs, is smattered with teams that are defensively good, that aren't always the best to watch. Mm-hmm. Who could do anything between finishing the playoffs and and finish outside the bottom three? I mean, you look at a team like Ipswich, they could finish anywhere. QPR, uh, even Nottingham Forest with the young players they've got. Teams who so easily went down, not so nearly went down last year, could very easily, you know, Birmingham Harry Redknapp as a manager, they could easily go up next year. Oh, don't say that because I've I've penciled Birmingham in as one of the three teams not as good as us. See, I would have done had they not got Redknapp as manager because whilst I think he's a fucking slime ball, he does have a certain way of you know getting good teams working. Yeah, but all his all his transfer targets have retired now. He's only got oh, a crouching no. defoe, and I don't think he can afford their wages. Um, I, I don't know. You're right. He does always do a job, don't he? And the last time he was he had a full season at this level. He, he won the thing quite easily with Pompey, so we'll see how we get on. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And there's some brilliant teams, some proper football teams. And what I am confident of, I'm not sure where we'll finish, but what I am confident of is we're not going to embarrass ourselves this time. Okay. My uh, my worry is that the fans will turn if things aren't going well. You know, they'll just, as we often do, Kind of a few bad results. It's looking perilous, and then there'll be calls for Parkinson out. Even though he'd be the person to get us back up again, should we fall from the championship once again? Yeah, and I know that um, we've had this discussion before of people saying, "Oh, whether, whether or not we go up, do we keep? Should we keep Parky?" Um, and my my opinion on as. Always been that he's got us there. He's earned the shot to, to keep us there. Um, there's a very different challenge staying up to going up. But if you look at teams like Barnsley, Burton, Preston, it's been very doable. I think if you buy well, and you mentioned it before, this idea of continuity and keeping things the same on and off the pitch. Considering the circumstances that Parky's put up with in the last 12 months, I think he's more than deserved his chance to, to have a bash. Um we might struggle. We might struggle, but I, I don't know. I mean, the fans will turn. You know what it's like. You're not yeah. going to get 23,000 like we did against Chesterfield every week. And we have our fair share of idiots, but every team does, I guess. Um, I'm, I'd, I'd like to be quietly confident like you. I'm, I'm just now wondering where the teams are that are worse than I'd us. I'd say Burton even though they've beaten us and did very well to stay up last year. I'd say Bristol City, depending on what they buy. I'd say Sheffield United. And I know that's stupid because then they just finished 20 points above us. But I, as I said, I just don't. And they're all, they're, you know, the players they're buying are players from lower divisions, which that can go either way. And they don't, they're not really, you know, they bought um, Chen Evans for no other reason than to be in the news that I can see because he's not a good striker and he just brings controversy. I just feel like they're rocking the boat too much. They're not adding enough strength thus far, even though they have been linked with some good players. And I just think that style... And I, I think Wilder's a good manager. And I could easily see them finishing mid-table. I could see it going either way. But I just feel like that style is a lot harder to go up to the championship with um, than our style is, which is, you know, we could we could play our style against any team and obviously we'd probably lose most of those games if we were playing high teams. But I feel like our defensive, you know, defensive, a defensive unit has been drilled all the past year and in, uh, hopefully in the summer of all of it keeps together I just feel like that's a lot easier to kind of adapt to a high level than what their style is but who knows I think and I, said, I think Millwall are a lot worse than us and we always beat them so I'm quite content now and you know yeah. and there's always teams that are bad that you kind of don't think of you know who would have thought Nottingham Forest and Birmingham would have been you know a game away goal difference literally from yeah. going down it could happen to anyone as you said pretty much I don't think any team, every team, can get promoted, but any team can pretty much finish between sixth and twenty fourth, and then yeah. you know, then about eighty percent of teams can finish between twentieth um, uh, and second. Uh, so, it really, and especially when there's not really this year, there's not really a 
a front an automatic front like pace setter. There isn't a Newcastle or Brighton, who everyone you know, especially Newcastle. There isn't a team that's going to spend 130 million and be the obvious. Everyone you know, everyone says he's going to win the league from the start. I think Sunderland are in free fall. I don't see Middlesbrough obviously have a good unit, but they just look completely fucking dead after their season they've just had. And um, who else came down from the Premier League? Hull. Hull. And they are Hull are a team in disarray. They've lost the manager. They've hardly got a team. The best players are going to get poached, no doubt. So I don't see, really... Obviously, there's Sheffield Wednesday, but there's also Reading, there's also Fulham. And, you know, Fulham, the season before last, were pretty much nearly relegated, and they went from relegation to the playoffs. So it's literally so hard to call. And I think, you know, there's teams like Barnsley and uh, Ipswich, as you said, who'd only been going downwards... Um, I, could just, I could genuinely see Sunderland depending on who they hire and what they do in the market just free falling so I'm, I am fairly confident at least at this stage obviously there's still two months or so before the season there's still a lot of transfer dealings to be done and yeah, I am even... pretty confident we can scrape I don't think we'll have a, a comfortable 12th place finish like I feel like a comfortable not even comfortable sorry like, I, I do think we'll survive like 18th position or something like that I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll stick my neck out at this early stage and before a ball's kicked, before all the summer spending's done, who's going to win it? It's impossible. I don't think... Oh, man. That's such a hard thing to predict so far. And it's definitely not going to be my complete prediction. Before a ball's kicked, before anybody... I'm going to stick my neck out. I, I do kind of fancy Birmingham just for the red nap factor and see how he does. But I could see him finishing kind of second. I don't know. Wednesday's the obvious choice. You I feel get- like it's too obvious. Because they spend loads of money, I don't rate Carvajal. He's two years in a row. He should have got him up, and he hasn't. He's just he doesn't sign players through kind of actual logical thinking. He just signs big names and sticks them in a team and hopes for the best. And the best hasn't worked. I'm going to say I'm going to say Birmingham. I'm going to say red nap factor, but that isn't my official you, prediction get, for this moment in time. If you if you go down to the bookies, you'll get twenty to one on Birmingham at the minute, See, the which isn't a bad factor. price, is it? Who do you think? Who's, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go for. Oh, it's so difficult, isn't it? See, Aston Villa's a possibility, and Aston Villa are a team that everyone well, this is it. Forgot, Aston know? Villa and Steve Bruce, but he was absolutely awful for the entirety of last year, and they finished about 14 for something. So that's so bad, you know. Forest could get their act together. They've got a good team, and you know, anything really, anything could happen. I'm going to go for an outsider and I'm going to say Norwich. See, there's another team that could easily do it. A team that, you know, I've just got Dortmund's, um, uh, Dortmund's under 23 coach, I think it was, who replaced David Wagner when he went to Huddersfield. You know, you, Norwich, well, that's, Norwich is that's, a really good show. That's, that's purely the reason I've gone for it. That's yeah. purely the reason I've gone for Norwich. And Norwich is a team I completely forgot about. I think that's a good show. They have a lot of Premier League experience there, they have a lot of kind of handy players. That's a very good show. If I had a thought of them when I was doing mine, I probably would have. I probably agree with you because, like, they say, the song. I think what's weird about the championship. If you actually looked at the league last year, pretty much all the bottom teams, apart from say the Pavan, Burton, Bristol, and maybe a couple of Hamsley and a couple of others, pretty much every team in the bottom half had been in the Premier League in the last ten, fifteen years. So, yeah, it's mad. But we're a team that's been in the Premier League within living memory. So, you know. You, you, you said you never know. It's such a difficult league to predict. I'm excited to be back in it. I feel like it is the league. Like I said, pretty much anything can happen. Any team, if they do, if they, you know, if they get the right manager, if they invest well, if they get a good system going, if they get a good run of form, any team can take advantage and you know go up there. And so, I'm not saying what it will be think... one of them, but I, I am confident we can stay up. What do you think our odds are on winning the league? Two hundred. No, fifties. I was going to say, I, I was thinking 50s, and then, like, I did Leicester factor in it. No one's going to give high odds on something ridiculous ever again because of Leicester. Yeah, yeah the rank outside is at a Burton at 80. Yeah, uh, we're, we're not quite the uh, three legged horse in the Grand National, but 50 yeah. to 1, you get plenty of value for money in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you mentioned before, Villa are favourites at 8s. Interesting. Norwich at 10s. I think a, a, an interesting one is Wolves at twelve to one. Wolves but again, they Lambert as well, didn't they? I think they brought in yeah, Andrew, who, a, I think Spirito De Santo. Who's that, sir? Nuno Spirito De Santo. I've been practicing it. Who's that one? Is it on? The uh, former manager of Porto, who was sacked halfway through this season, I think. 
Well, that's interesting. So the keeper would be But like the last manager they signed, you know, the last foreign manager they signed didn't last till November, did they? So I don't. This really is trust it. Yeah. Their judgment. Yeah. Yeah. But outsiders, though. So yeah. Well, this is worth it. I said it's an interesting season, and you, you'll never, you can never really know what will happen apart from Newcastle winning the league. I think um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite, I'm just quite disappointed in the teams that have come down. I mean, they're, they're not a nice away ground to go to. They're not a good day trip. They're miles away. They're in the northeast. It's cold. It's miserable, and they're just three boring football teams, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't mind Sunderland away. I think that's a really nice stadium. Hull away was one of my favourite away games as well because they've got like a paddling pool outside the ground, which we went in, which was quite fun. But yeah, they're not exactly, they're not exactly well, really. Two two things that happened to me in the last time I went to Sunderland. It was on a Tuesday night. Um, broken glass on the top of walls nice. uh, at the back on the back garden. So they brick walls, and they just thrown a layer of cement and just sprinkled some broken glass over the top of it. Um, and I was also spat on by a pensioner at full time uh, away at Sunderland. That's um, very nice. So I'm very much looking forward to going back, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But as we said earlier, Tom, we mentioned like consistency in the team. And thus far, Bolton have signed three players from last season onto new contracts. We have Andy Taylor on a two-year deal. We have Jim Carrican on a one-year deal. And as announced today, at six in the morning for some reason. Gary Dean on a two-year deal. Now let's break this up. Andy Taylor first, very happy with this. Easily the best left back we had last year. Probably the best left back we've had in quite a while, from my recollection. Probably since Alonso's last year in the Championship, and obviously he only had one good season. No Premier League winner, go figure. But I'm happy with this, Tom. I reckon Andy Taylor's going to become your new Larry Wilson. More on which later. Yeah, I, I think that way as well. I mean, I've, I, I'm just going to keep going on and on about the fact that he's a bit like Paul Robinson in that he just grafts. Um, Gives hundred percent. Doesn't really seem to let you down with his performances. Um, I was I was pleased that we'd signed him. He he was one of those players that came in that we had no real expectation for, especially with his reputation with Wigan fans. So we had very low expectations of him, and he was just solid. And I mean, at League One level, Dean Moxie should be comfortably fitting into a team, fitting into a, a, an upper League One team. That lad has played Premier League football, he's played second tier football, but Andy Taylor just there was there was no no comparison between those two left backs. Mm-hmm. I mean nobody shedding a tear about Dean Moxie leaving. Um I don't say the forms pretty correlated pretty well to when Nevin Moxie was in the team and Taylor wasn't, especially towards the end of the season when Taylor was injured. Yeah, and I think um when 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 Moxie did come into the team when Taylor was injured, I think every man and his dog was desperate for Taylor to get fit again. Um, and I think he came in with low expectations, performed six, seven out of ten every week. Solid. You know what you're going to get from him, uh, and he'll be up for a for a, a scrap if we if we need to if we need to be in the relegation scrap uh, next season. Then yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Jim Carrican is one I'm very happy with. I obviously only saw him, I think, in the Peterborough game. But in that game, he was like the metronome. He was so calm and collected on the ball. A, a, an actual good passer, something we have liked. You know, Spearing and Prattley and the like, Derek, they can pull out good passes every now and then. But I feel like, just and obviously, it's just one game. And I've, well, I've seen him for, play for Reading a few years ago, and I always quite liked him. But obviously, just in, off this one Peterborough game, in which, of course, he scored that brilliant opening goal, which calmed all the nerves. He was just such a, I said, again, coincidentally, he was such a calm influence in midfield, so composed on the ball, was always open to take it, didn't mind being under pressure. And I think having that sort of influence in midfield next year is going to be pretty vital. And I imagine he'll be starting a lot more games next season as well. I think so. I think maybe Parkey was reluctant to throw him in. Maybe he wasn't match fit. Um, I, I expected Karakan to be a playmaker but maybe a bit of a luxury. And I don't quite know why I expected that, but I expected him to be a bit of a luxury player. But what I did like about the Peterborough game is he ain't half up for a scrap mm. and for leaving his footing. Um, and it's, it's difficult to judge Karakan because he's... Well, I've only seen him in that, that, that game and he did the business, didn't he? Um, he gets on with Alf. Um, they get on well off the field, let's hope that they can do something together on it. And, yeah, he's, he's one of those players I think we would 
struggle to find somebody free and probably at the same wage level for a player of his his abilities. So I think we've done well there. Mm, absolutely, and it's you know we, with players leaving. Um, yeah, it's definitely a good reinforcement. I reckon I'll be excited to see him more on a you know on a more regular basis. My only concern would be that he was quite injury prone towards the end of his Reading career. And I imagine during his stay at Galatasaray as well, I think he suffered quite a few ligament injuries and was out for a long time. Hopefully, they're behind him. He didn't look like um, he was affected by any injuries or lack of fitness in his two appearances with Bolton. And we can only hope that continues because God knows Bolton loves an injury curse. And finally, as we said, Gary Medine, he signed a a new two-year deal. I think two years is fucking generous. But... As we've said numerous times in this podcast, he probably does, it's undeniable that he does deserve another contract. I think he is the, one of the main factors of us going up. But as I've always kind of maintained, he's kind of vital for this system, but he's a sh- not a very good footballer. And we should, if money permitting, should be looking for a, a better target man during this summer break. When you say it's uh, it's generous for two years, what, what are you thinking? See, uh, I, I was thinking... See, I'd have thought a one-year deal, but a player of his age, and you know, kind of, I imagine it playing through the injuries towards the end of the year probably earned him his two-year deal in the eyes of the manager and the board and whatnot. But I feel like two years. I don't. It might it might be a reassurance, so we'll have him in League One again if we go back down, so we can just use him like that. But I I just don't think he's good enough for the Championship to justify two years at this current moment in time. But you know, it's hard to you know, be too. Goodgin, I think, after this year he did have, to be fair. Do you not think that a two-year deal protects us in the transfer market? Who's going to buy him? Do you think anyone? After his performances in League One, if he's not getting a game next season and I wanted to get my team promoted, I'd be looking at Gary Medine. Uh, I think performances in a, that's a good point. in a promoted side. If we end up in the same Jamie Proxer situation where we've got a player on the books who, you know, we're practically trying to give away for free. Mate, don't we still have uh, Proctor? Isn't he back? Yeah, he's got another year. Christ. Um, the, the, the thing is, I mean, if, if Medine gets to January um, and he's not playing games, he could go out on loan for the rest of the season and, and sign for somebody on a free and we get we get nothing for him. If he's on a two-year deal and it gets to January, it could be a loan with a view to a permanent or we could end up getting some money back for him. Mm. And I mean... If, I don't know. I think if I'm a League One team, let's say it's, I don't know, let's, God forbid, even a Blackburn or a Wigan, and you need someone to help you get over the line, you need a uh, a target man up front, it might be worth, I mean, you know what Wigan are like, the way they throw money about. They might think, right, let's throw half a million and, and see if he can do the, do the business. Yeah, you, you, yeah I don't that's know. a brilliant point, actually. I didn't really consider that. I was, more, I was only thinking of it kind of on a football term basis, but that's I think, very smart. I, I think imagine that's the both... way the board think. What the way we're the way we're both thinking is that Medine will not be first choice. We're both assuming Hoping. that more business will be done. Um, obviously, we we need more than, than than him up front. Alf would be one, but even then, beyond that, we'd need we'd need more. So let's see what uh, what tricks that the the powers that be have up the sleeve. Yeah, interesting. And what do you think on the football basis of Medine staying? I think it makes sense. Yeah. I think the more continuity, the better. I think um, if you want uh, a, a evidence to the contrary to support what I'm trying to say, I guess Wigan's the best example because they had a, a formula, they had a team that won them the league and actually won them quite comfortably. You know, they, kind of, they, they, they strolled to it. And then in the summer, they, they went and spent all this money and sold... And, and bought and, yeah, and the Wigan captain, was always that. the centre back partnership, which included the captain. Well, this is it. The midfield, they got rid of the midfielder who later came back off his long spell and was great for him. You're right. You, I think keeping a core nucleus and keeping the same system is kind of key. Yeah, um, and again, you know, Gary Medine is in that group of uh, Jay Spearing, David Wheater, those uh, older pros who let themselves down last time but have redeemed themselves and probably, in my eyes, deserve at least one more crack at, at playing at that level. Yeah, I don't think Neil Lennon ever got the best out of Gary Medine. I think Parkey got more from him. Um, and we've had this conversation quite a few times where it's, you know, what regardless of what you think of him as a footballer, 
he's very important to the way we play, whether you like him or not. So it makes sense, I think. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't deny with that. But speaking of Spearing and the like, so we currently have Jay Spearing, Felipe Moraes, David Wheater, Dorian Davit, Adam Lafondre, Max Clayton, I think, as well, and maybe a couple of others that I cannot recall, all still waiting to have their new deals hopefully confirmed. I think Alf said on Twitter that he was in talks. I imagine Alf's pretty much a certainty. I can't imagine he won't stay. But the others, Spearing, Moraes, Wheater, Davit, any others I may have uh, forgotten. I think it's still quite early, isn't it? I think if it was another two weeks uh, and we still hadn't signed up, Spearing in particular. Um, remember, Spearing and Wheater are off on the holidays. Yeah. So, you know, whether whether or not they're coming back to, to sign on the dotted line or whether negotiations have even begun, I don't know. Um, t- to be honest, the only name that you've read out that I would want... No, not not necessarily want to go. The only name that you've read out that I wouldn't lose any sleep over is Davit. No, and even then... Uh, yeah, maybe. I think even then with Davit, I think he's um, redeemed himself. He's another yeah, one of those he players. He improved so much. I've never played. seen like the improvement he had this year. And obviously, league, you know, he came back into a League One team. It's obviously, you always have to keep it in mind. But... It was astonishing. It was like how he was when we first signed him, which was brilliant. Now, hopefully, I said so many players kind of, um, uh, kind of um, disappointed themselves or you know, kind of let themselves down. So I was looking for last year, and David was certainly one of them. We just poor performance after poor performance, and so many redeemed themselves. And again, maybe another who deserves a fair crack, especially if we want to go with the free at the back deal again, which I'm not sure if he does, but it's definitely a possibility, and it's good to have options. Of of the players left, who's the one that you're most bothered about? Who's the one that you, you feel is most important? I think, I think that's so hard because I, I think it's hard to not say Wheater because he had such a good partnership with Beavers either in the three or the two, and he offered you know he was so good with goals. He's finally found his groove, and but I also but I, but I also think Marais. I think Marais was. Pivotal, fucking pivotal, and I was getting up at the end of the year. Like, he was just the, the right injection we needed right at the right time, getting the, um, setting up so many goals, getting the assist. He gave us um, such a good kind of outlet for getting so many goals from little corners and set pieces. We've not been that dangerous from set pieces since the Big Sam days, and I think he was so pivotal. And I think in League One, in, sorry, in the Championship, when we are going to be under the cosh for a vast amount, amount you'd have thought. We're going to need his delivery. It's going to be so important. Yeah. His ability to just beat a man across, get the ball into the middle. And then again, and there you go against Spearing. He was the absolute leader last year. He was such a fucking bulldog in midfield. And he was sorely lost whenever he wasn't in the team. It's such a difficult question. It's obviously them three. And Alf as a proven championship striker, which we won't get one of his ability, as you said, with Karakan. We won't get one of his ability for any cheaper proven goal scorer. So... That is literally yeah. an impossible question because there's so many players. You know, it's a player literally in each different position, each as important as the other in that position. Oh yeah, and the, the summer transfer window is going to be huge. I mean, even after we've signed those crucial players, Marais, or let's say you know, even if rather than even when, even if we sign Marais, Spearing, Wheater, and and get that spine of our team and keep it together. Even then, we need to go on and build on that squad. Exactly. So it's such an important, such an important summer transfer window, and it's not as if we've got mm. we've got sellable assets. You know, we haven't got players that we can that can make a profit on anymore. But even then, you know, when teams have come in for Vela, the, the figure touted has been half a million pounds. So yeah. you know, maybe he's not a sellable asset. Maybe Beavers. I think Beavers could command a fee after his year, but we don't want to sell them because they're like the core of our team. Um, but I should say like. We're gonna to have to build on this cunning because, but I, what I will say is, like, the chairman and his son have proven themselves to be rather shrewd when it comes to business deals and money thus far. And weirdly, I kind of do trust them in the market. I think, I think, I do kind of trust them to get the deal off the line. I think the only one, I think the only one who I could see not staying would be Spearing because he's on high wages and could get a move, which would probably get most of that, if not all, of his same wage packet. But I, I kind of circle him in the same camp as Wheater and Lafondra and that, who kind of like Bolton, are settled here, don't want to move. And there's not many clubs who where Spearing could go 
in the same area and be at championship level football as well. Only Preston, really, I can think of. After all of the others went fucking down last year. So, it's, but, it's, it's such a way. I do think, I think Spurring is the only, like, I can't see Wheater leaving after he took such a pay cut last year, settled in the area of his child and whatnot. I don't see Wheater going. He, he'll be staying. And hopefully he can convince the others too. I think Alf, from what we've heard, just wants to retire at Bolton. He said that. I'm pretty confident he'll be staying. Marais, unless he gets a good offer from a higher up championship club after his good form, I don't see him going anywhere else. It's literally just spearing. It's the only one I see not staying. But even though, even then, I can still think of reasons why he would. So I am, I'm pretty, I'm optimistic that we'll get all of them signed. How about you? Uh, um. Yeah, I'm optimistic. Um, it's one of those things. It's. It, I think signing a player is a totally different negotiation to getting a player to sign back on in a, a, a higher division, possibly for less money. Yeah. I mean, selling selling that to a player that, yeah. is different. I mean, selling Jem Karakan, saying, right, sign for us. I mean, I know it was initially a month, but sign for us till the end of the season, get your fitness get us promoted and then we'll see where it takes us. And, you know, someone who's never played football, someone who hasn't played football for 15, 16 months, he's going to be thinking, yeah, brilliant, you know, you're just raring to go. Turning to someone like David Wheater and saying, you know, thanks for being our player of the year. Thanks for being so pivotal in getting us promoted and playing in a higher division. Uh, we're going to now ask you to take a, to take a pay cut. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's what worries me. It's that's going to be a hard sell, that. Yeah, spot on. It's quite a precarious position, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be, like I said, a, a big summer. Mm-hmm. And speaking of leaving, the ones who've left thus far is Laurie Wilson, Liam Trotter, Lewis Buxton, William Neskalainen, uh, Reese Wabara, Tom Walker, Dean Moxie, and sadly, Mark Davis. Connor Wilkinson has also, thankfully, been told he can leave. I think. Don't, don't say sadly and then Connor Wilkinson. I said sadly Mark Davis. Oh, I thought you was I thought you were saying sadly no, Mark Davis. Thankfully, and Connor Wilkinson. thankfully Connor Wilkinson. Ah, uh, sorry, my apologies. That's okay. That's okay. I think I think there's not many arguments for Trotter, Buxton, Yeskalainen, Wabara. Yeah, I, I couldn't understand if we had a kept Wabara, but I'm not too asked. Walker and Moxie leaving. Nothing to be said there. I think there's only two we need to talk about. Yeah, I agree. Wabara, I'm surprised, but not you know disappointed or upset. I've thought. That getting a player like Wabara on half a year, half a season contract, I just thought naturally um, he would then stay on and, and sign a year. But just a, a weird situation with that lad, both he not was, just in terms of his situation with us, but in general, he just just doesn't seem to want to be a footballer yeah, by the sound of it. Reminds me of um, Sardell a little bit. Yeah, know, just just a bit of. A, a weird situation. Businesses uh, in his Twitter bio before football and stuff like that. I mean, wish them the best of luck. A bit, a bit of a shame he didn't get a good fair crack, but I won't, I won't cry or any tears. Yeah, I mean, he played, he, he played um, in the night match at home. I can't remember whether it was Berry or not. Yeah, shifted to one. Yeah. four at the back in the night match, um, and he, he he didn't have a good game. But it was clear that he wasn't match fit. But we didn't see much of him after that. Um, but you know, for someone to go from League One team of the year to leaving football altogether, coming back on a short-term contract, and then only playing, you know, one appearance, and then just a weird situation yeah. with that lad. Um, so it surprised me, but it didn't disappoint me. I mean, when it comes to Mark Davis, I think it's sad. It's, it's a sad I, I understand it, but it's such a sad situation. I think. It is, but don't forget, he was the one pushing for a move to Sheffield Wednesday, you know, yeah. not too long ago. Um, and that's football. Um, he probably needs to think about whether or not he's going to stay in football um, because it, it just sounds like it, it just it just sounds like his body is he's failing him, unfortunately, at any, any sign of trouble. He's staying at um, training, isn't he? I believe so for his rehab. Yeah, I believe so. It still wouldn't surprise me if he got back fit, did some training with the first team. If he ended up coming back on a short-term deal like Wheater did, really dramatic price cut. Still wouldn't surprise me if he got a Wheater deal. But the fact that he got announced as released also wouldn't. It'd be a lot more surprising now if that happened. I think. Yeah, but you know, it was. You're right. It was the same with David Wheater that his contract had run out and he'd left the club, and then yeah, he did. It does announce that he got released, didn't it? 
Yeah, now you come to mention it, uh, I, I agree with you on that, but it wouldn't surprise me. I think, I mean, the thing with the Sheffield Wednesday deal is um, the medical came back and Sheffield Wednesday just ran a mile, um, which suggests that there's something seriously wrong with his with his his physical ability to play football. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised either, like you said, if he maybe has a good... Uh, a good couple of months injury free and if he can't get himself in the shop window maybe maybe he will come on a short term deal I don't know I but... honestly wouldn't mind that because if he's a fit, we all know his ability and he's, um, he's easily the, kind of the most skillful and creative player we have he's, he's been at the club for like 9 years now this would have been his 10th year and it is kind of a little bit sad that we won't get to that kind of testimonial year even though we didn't have testimonies for either Kevin Davis or Ricardo Gardner still better about that Um it's just, I just feel so sad for him. Like, he's such a talented player, just stricken down by constant injuries in nine years, 160 games. I think I think Vela's probably up to about 100 now already. So it's just so... Yeah. It's just such a sad situation. But I it is. Most of your tears were safe for Lovie Wilson, Tom. Oh, God, yeah, of course it was. Um, I mean, when I heard Wabara was going, I was doing somersaults because I thought, well, he's not going to let both of his right-backs go. Um, and Buxton went. So two right. Oh yeah, to be honest, I'd completely forgotten that Buxton uh, was was with us. Um, yes, yeah, so you know when 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 Wabara went, I thought brilliant. That means Laurie's staying, and then and then the news came through, and I was just really surprised because you know he was the one that was on Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. that was really banging the drum before the games. Let's get him over the line. He was enjoying the songs at the town hall. He enjoyed the celebrations on the pitch at the end of the game. Um, it seemed like he's really enjoyed his time with us. So I don't necessarily think he was angling for a move but there's a lot of talk about him going back to, to Charlton or back that way um, I wrote my article defending his place in the squad and why we should keep him whether or not we sign another right back mm-hmm. I, I don't ever remember Wilson letting me down in a performance I, like... I mean he's had, he's had bad games but he's never, he's never had a stinker I've never looked no. at him and gone that goal was Wilson's fault I, mean, I can understand. Uh, he's definitely, I'd say, definitely say he's a League One player. So I'm not surprised. I'm not. I can see it in hindsight. I wouldn't have paid it to it before. I'd have thought he'd be on loan money, a backup right back. He was playing really well before his injury. Yeah. I'm a little. I say good for morale. Um, good lad. Good on the twitters and whatnot. I am. Yeah. It took me a little, a little back that he'd been released, especially when we already released two right backs. As you say, I feel like. Having to go out now, and I know we've got Moraes who's basically playing right wing back, right back, but he's not, I say, he's not a proper right back. And now we're having to go out and sign at least one, if not two. I do feel like, I feel like Wilson is one we probably, probably should have fucking kept hold of, you know. He's the, he's the only one out of the whole release list thus far, you know, the ones we've actually chosen to release, that I would have given a new deal to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of talk about Stephen Darby, but then again, there's a lot of talk about James Meredith and well, then he signed for Millwall the next day. I'm glad you said um, that, Tom, because moving on, people, players were actually going to sign. We've been linked, as you say, very heavily with Stephen Darby of Bradford, Matt Marshall of Bradford, though I'd highly doubt that. One, because the Bradford fans I know all said that Marshall became good the year after Parkinson left this year, but his, his pass for that chance in the playoff final was pretty good. He did nothing else, though. And I would say James Meredith, who actually I thought was easily Bradford's best player in the playoff final. Thought I thought he was man of the match. Yeah, me too. Thought he got forward so well, was composing the ball really solid defensively. It would have looked like you know him and Taylor were doing great left backs. It looked like it was happening. It was in the Bolton news, and then literally hours later, Millwall, the team he just yeah. lost to in the playoff final. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. Who do you think we're gonna get? Do you think Derby's happening? I do, yeah. Um, also, like with the man from Bradford, the right back. Uh, I think we're just going to end up signing everyone from Bradford by the sounds of it at the minute, Bradford or at least try to. Um, I think the most realistic at the minute is Derby. Uh, it's been it's been a, a rumour that it was agreed in March. Um, now, if something had been agreed in March, and then you add to the fact that we've gone up and that we've released all our right backs. Yeah. It's not any reason for Stephen Darby then to change his mind. He's like, brilliant, I'm straight into this team playing at a, a league above. 
uh, where I was playing last year. The contracts to expire and yeah, maybe, maybe. This, the, the, well, with the, with the transfer embargo showing no signs of going anywhere, then it's going to have to be free transfers. So, yeah. is Sammy Amio be a free transfer? I believe he's going. To, I don't think Newcastle have released their retainers from what I've seen, but he's out of contract this summer, and I would, I'd gladly take him back. I know I don't see him as a starter, really, especially if we continue with the three at the back. But he's definitely someone. At this, he's not really ever set the word like the championship, as Chris said on a previous podcast, but. Definitely someone who can kind of create something out of nothing and has a bit of creative spark about him. Yeah, my, my, my main concern with Amiobi is the fact that his his main chemistry was with Zach Clough, who's no yeah. longer no longer at the club. Um, but, you know, people say, no, he's never done it in the Championship. He's da 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 da, da. That, Those are the sort of players that we're going to have to sign. You know, yeah. people, people going on about Sheffield United signing League One players. I'm all for that. I mean, you look at teams like Preston, Barnsley... Uh, and Burton, the signing players who have either uh, played at, at League One or and, and have gone up, or they've signed from other teams in League One, and that they're going for players from the lower leagues. And there's a certain amount that can be said for that. Um, I'd quite like us to to go about our business in that way if we could, because I think it's cheap. So I think it doesn't financially uh, leave us in a difficult position. Um, and I also think if the worst comes to worst and we and we do get relegated, then we've got a team well equipped for for mounting another promotion campaign in the future if we need to. So I think there's a certain amount can be said for fishing about in the lower leagues. Mm-hmm. We've been linked with uh, Ryan Ryan Leonard from Southend. No idea who that is to be honest. Who I was quite impressed with. Marcus Madison has been mentioned, but that's going to involve money. So with the with the embargo, that's a non-starter, I think. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's going to like I said, it's going to be a long, busy, hectic summer. And the thing is, when the first ball's kicked in the middle of August, I still don't think we'll be anywhere near the, the, the finished article in no, terms I think of that. It'll be what? a hectic deadline day once again. Uh, I imagine. You know, when we opened up pre-season last summer, we still had you know Tom Walker and Alex Finney playing in the in the team when when we started pre-season last summer. So. There's a lot. There's a lot uh, of wheeling and dealing to be done, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're mm-hmm. going to be one in, one out, and shaving a couple of grand off one wage here to try and bring somebody in somewhere else. So, yeah, I, 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 I tell you what. Regardless of whether you approve of what's been done or not by those behind the scenes, I wouldn't want their job no, at the minute. No chance. No chance. Certainly going to be an interesting summer, and we can only wait and see. But that has been Love Pod episode seventy nine. It's been quite a fucking hard one to do due to technical difficulties, but we got there in the end. My name has been Dan Murphy. You can follow me on Twitter at Mabroski. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Down the Manny RD. And of course, you can get us all on Twitter at Lion of Vienna SD. Get us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Lion of Vienna Suite. And of course, you can get to our little home on Lion of Vienna Suite.com. We've had a bit of a makeover, which I must say I'm not the biggest fan of. But. The same content is there and as great as ever. Go and check it out. Loads of writing still going on, even though there's very little to actually write about. Oh, I'll tell you what, Tom, we didn't talk about fucking Big Sam going. Oh, yeah, weird one. I've just just had a £100 bet with a a Liverpool fan that he'd finish above Rafael Benitez next season. And now he's not letting me me back out. Oh, that is shit in that. He's now saying that if Sam gets a job in the Premier League... um, then that team that he takes over has has got to finish above Rafa. So that I'm going to be very it. nervous next season. Very nervous. Oh man, you should, this, the bet should be void if it's before the season. Not, well, there's a long way to go. We'll we'll uh, we'll have some uh, Brexit style negotiations mm-hmm. uh, next time we go for a pint together, and I'll try and bring him round to the idea. But I know I was looking forward to to Sam at Palace, but I think he the signs were there that all wasn't. It wasn't a typical Sam Allardyce. Uh, survival scrap was it I mean they got tonked by Sunderland 4-0 at home they got so close to staying up and then got themselves dragged back into it just about did it at home to Hull I don't know it, it, it like didn't he, have the hallmark for the big Sam side he wanted it? to end on a high thing didn't want the England disaster to be his last thing and then just get out maybe but I think we'll have I and think, do you think sorry, do you think that's the last we'll see of Sam well that was a question I was going to ask you I was just saying I think we'll have we won't talk too much about him because I reckon we can have a proper full on Sam Allardyce podcast at some point, we'll plan that for the future. But I, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think he'll? I I could see him essentially getting a 
kind of upstairs role at Bolton. Perhaps potentially depends how quickly he gets bored of golfing in Marbella and wine and whatnot. But what do you think? Well, the last time he said he was having a break from football, he was in the Newcastle job within about eight, ten days. Um, so I don't believe a word he says when he talks about leaving football. Sam Allardyce cannot leave football alone. He'll go on his golfing holiday, he'll go on his holiday abroad, he'll get himself a nice tan, and then he'll watch some two-bit foreign manager doing a half-decent job, and the, the UKIP voter inside of him will start getting incredibly angry at the fact that this Johnny Foreigner's getting all this good press on match of the day, and then he'll come on his chariot to rescue Huddersfield from relegation or something daft like that. He can't keep out of football. Here's hoping, here's hoping. But yeah, do you fancy a Sam Allardyce podcast at some point in the future? Plan that out? That'd be good if we can look back at his career. That'd be brilliant. That'd be good. Okay, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Say goodbye, Sam. See you later. It's goodbye from me. Vote for Jezza Singh.